0: What's up, Longhorn fans? Broadcasting from the On Texas football YouTube channel. It is episode number five of the award-winning Trey and BK. Coming up today, we try to pick winners for this weekend's football games, both college and pro. And I'm disappointed to report that BK's strategy to hedge himself is working. And it's working well. Yes. No, that's, no, that's not in BK. Uh, <laughs> from where are we at in society? We take a live look at the current state of the Public Elementary School Cafeteria Lunch. Before that, the new Twitter blue checkmark bit is fooling a lot of people, including on Election Day. That's not good for democracy. And we start by recapping the Longhorns' win over Kansas State last Saturday and look ahead to a huge game against TCU tomorrow. I'm Trey Elling, joined as always by my... Partner in broadcasting crime, the man formerly known as having the fastest cattle prod this side of Dirty Six, has moved on to bigger and fatter things in H-Town. That's right, hosting the Wheelhouse Afternoons on ESPN 97.5 in Houston. It is Brad Kellner. What's up, BK? How you doing this week?
1: I feel like your introduction for the rest of the month has to include something about this luxurious mustache that I've got going here. Luxurious is one way to describe it. Pedo is probably the proper way to describe it, but uh, you might need to amend the way you bring me on every single week because of this thing. You may be right about that, and I have to admit, I was uh, astounded by how thick that thing is
0: coming in, and even though it is a bit pedo, it's starting to shift from pedo to, like, Mario Brother at this point.
1: I appreciate that, and uh, probably the first time I've heard someone being astounded about how thick that thing was coming in, but uh, thank you for for that compliment, too. really do appreciate that.
0: Now, how much, uh, how much black dye are we working with here in that mustache? Because when I would see you grow this thing out over the last five years or so. I mean, it was wispy to say the least. It looked like you're uh, living in a, a trailer park in Lake Dallas or something, but I mean, it's a respectable mustache <laughs> at this point.
1: I've gone from trailer park in Lake Dallas to Mario brother. Huh? That's uh that's where we've upgraded so far. Yeah. A little bit of uh just for men, just one time, a little bit of jet black dye from just for men and uh, did it probably a week ago. So it's, it's holding up, man. At some point it'll be like, half black and half blonde, which is like the natural hair color that I have. So it'll look really, really weird. I'll probably have to redo it uh, again to, so I don't look like that. But there's definitely a little kiss of, of dye going on with this thing, too, to make it stand out a little bit more.
0: So I guess it would be wrong for me to completely neglect this, but I have to ask, how are the uh, the job interviews going for those uh, state popo gigs and also those, uh, <laughs> those assistant college football coaching gigs in the Northeast going?
1: Yeah, no, it's weird. Everyone's asking me for help now in the neighborhood. It's uh, it's interesting. I'm not quite sure what they're expecting of me, but they just assume because I have this thing that I'm a cop and, and can help people with their problems. So that's going well. And then, uh, yeah, it's good. Now the, the, the job interview for the Iowa offensive coordinator position went incredibly well. I feel like uh, anybody could do a better job than Brian Ferentz up there. I'm hoping Nebraska calls for an interview. Uh, I know Auburn's not the Northeast, but I feel like they could use a little bit of a change of look with their head coaching gigs. So I'm trying for that one as well. And when all of those fail, I'll be moving on to the high schools. So it uh, it'll it'll be a good time. They're probably not going to let me within like a hundred yards of any high school with this thing. But maybe a virtual interview for uh, for high school gigs across the country will will, will be good for me.
0: Yeah, you're completely out on the uh, middle school gigs, but uh, you may be able, be able to slip it into the uh, the high schools at this point, uh, although uh, I guess it depends. Like If you're going to Chicago, you're completely in the clear, California, but uh, some other places may be a, a little bit reluctant to bring somebody of your ilk on board.
1: Yeah, we've got uh, 20 days till this thing is off my face, not that I'm counting. So
0: Yeah, I bet. Getting get uh, there. I'm going to guarantee you the intro will include something about that wheezy mustache starting next week through the end of November. Well, BK, uh, you and I didn't necessarily feel great about Texas' chances of going into Manhattan and pulling out a victory last weekend. K-State obviously coming off of a rout of Oklahoma State the previous Saturday. Even though the Longhorns uh, did come off that bye, uh, you just worried that this team's inability to get the job done in the second half might keep it from coming out victorious against a good football team. But uh, Steve Sarkeesian and company went about things in a different strategy. That is building a big enough lead in the first half that you don't have to worry as much about an inept offense in the second half and a defense that starts to give up more points. The Longhorns go into Manhattan, Kansas, and pull out a 34-27 to victory. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on uh, this, uh, this big-time win for Sarkin Co.?
1: Those casinos don't build themselves, do they? We talked about this last week. Like this was a line in Vegas that looked a little bit too good to be true. With the way Texas had been playing, with what they did in Stillwater the game before, with what Kansas State had did against Oklahoma State the prior week, it felt like these two teams were trending in opposite directions. And it was shocking to a lot of people that the Longhorns were favored in this game. And I know a ton of the public money was on Kansas State getting the points at home, but yeah, those casinos don't build themselves in Vegas. They got this one right. And Texas ultimately covered. And you're right. It was a tale of two halves, but the Longhorns did enough in the first half to where they were able to hold on for this victory. So a big-time win for Sark. Uh, It wasn't always pretty, of course, and we'll get into some of the second-half struggles and why that could spell doom for this team tomorrow. But it was about as perfect of a first half as this team could have possibly played. They scored on every drive except for one, and the one that drive they didn't score on, they were moving the football. They had a huge fourth-down conversion, and then Rojo fumbled. But that was a huge play that was getting Texas near the red zone, and that was the only drive where the Longhorns didn't score points in the first half.
0: I know people were a little bit critical of Roshan Johnson not protecting the ball well enough there. That was an incredible play by that Kansas State defensive back. I mean, he timed that punch perfectly.
1: It was. Yeah, no doubt about it. But yeah, I mean, outside of that, it was a perfect first half for Texas, really on both sides. I know they gave up 10 points, but against a team as good as that with some of the weapons that they have on offense on the road, you'll take holding K-State to 10 points and a half. But yeah, offensively for the Longhorns, 350 yards. I mean, Oklahoma State in the entire game the week before against that K-State defense had 217 total yards. Texas had 350 In the first half, Bijan himself was ridiculous. He had 161 yards. Now, Texas just, it's not like they had a bunch of turnovers and took advantage of short fields. Like they had a lot of long sustained drives that turned into points and obviously kept K-State's offense on the sidelines. So yeah, the first half, Trey, that's the big takeaway. I mean, if Texas plays like that, and we've seen that in flashes, this year, then they can be one of the best teams in college football. And you feel like they can hang with just about anybody in the country. The problem with this team is they just haven't been able to consistently play that way for all four quarters. And I get it. You're not going to play like that for every quarter. Cause that was as, as perfect as it gets. But uh, some of the issues that we've seen way too often from this team on the road against ranked teams and in the second half rear their ugly heads this weekend, but fortunately the Longhorns were able to do just enough to hold on and preserve that W.
0: It was encouraging to see Quinn Ewers play a little bit more consistently. It certainly wasn't an all-star performance out of him, but he did a better job of hitting more throws, especially some of the short and intermediate throws being asked of him. Still some issues throwing the football down the field, but everything becomes so much easier when Bijan Robinson is playing like he's capable of. And I think at this point we can safely say that that guy gets better the bigger and the more profound the stage is. Because that was a huge game for this football team last weekend, not just because it was a ranked matchup on the road, but because the Longhorns' season, in a lot of ways, was on the line. If you win that game, all of a sudden, you are in complete control over what happens with you the rest of the way with the possibility of getting to play in that Big 12 championship game. And he was up to the task from the get-go, and he's going up against another guy who is considered one of the best running backs in this conference and the entire country, Deuce Vaughn was okay on Saturday. It finishes with over 100 yards. got to give huge credit to the Texas defense, which has been stout up the middle all year long. Huge difference from last year, by the way. But even though Deuce Vaughn had a decent game, it paled in comparison to what Bichon was able to give them, especially in the first half.
1: Yeah, the Texas run defense was very good in Manhattan. Deuce Vaughn kind of took advantage of the Longhorns passing defense, right? It felt like he was wide open way too many times, especially in the second half against the linebackers in that secondary. But in terms of stopping Deuce Vaughn on the ground, yeah, the Longhorns did – a better job than most teams have been able to do against him this season. So yeah, there were some good things to like with the the defensive performance, but I'll tell you what, Trey, you've coined the phrase UTSD. Uh, I had some of that. I mean, I was getting Texas Tech and Oklahoma State flashbacks in the second half. Those were the two other true road games this team had played in before Saturday. And really once Xavier Worthy fumbled, I know Texas still had a pretty big lead at that point. That was early in the third quarter. But once that fumble happened and K-State marched down the field and scored, I'm thinking, here we go again. And we're going to find a way to screw this thing up. And then the Texas offense had to punt on consecutive drives. And then it got to 31-24. And I'm thinking oh man, to hell with overtime, like K-State might win this one in regulation, and they could win this thing going away, and then Texas, great job, the 11-play field goal drive, the offense got enough going to extend that lead to double digits, and on that final drive, too, seven-point game, when K-State converted that fourth and six, I'm like, oh my God, dude, like that was it, we missed our moment, this is going to overtime, or hell, K-State might go for the win, and they're going to get that two-point conversion. And here we go, another road loss, another loss against a ranked team, another second-half collapse. But credit to Keandre Coburn, guy who's been in this program forever. Somebody on that defense needed to make a play to preserve the victory. He was the guy who got it done. Obviously, Jalen Ford fell on the football, too. So I had major, major UTSD. Almost felt like I was watching my house burn down, and there was no way I could stop it for most of that second half. And uh, thankfully, at the very end, Texas did just enough, just enough, to hold on for a massive massive victory and like you said they now control their own destiny to get to that big 12 championship game
0: you know this Texas defense certainly isn't flawless this year and you and I talked about it last week we felt like Will Howard was the guy that uh, was going to be a bigger problem for Texas because he can throw the football down the field as of this year and that's the biggest point of weakness on this entire football team offense or defense is their ability to defend the pass thankfully that didn't happen but at the same time they were starting to give some things up as they were tiring out because the offense wasn't doing its job in the second half. But you've got to give a huge uh, hat off to the individuals on this defense and I guess the scheme and uh, just some of the things happening at practice because these guys are very opportunistic with regards to making plays that turn into turnovers. Uh, It's happened at the ends of games. It's happened as uh, the opposing offense is driving down the field and close to the end zone. I mean, there's been several times this year now that this defense has come up with the football in a manner that really has helped seal a win for this team.
1: Yeah, look, the personnel on that defense is not elite, right? Like they've got some weaknesses. They've got some good players. They've got some Sunday players. But you look at some of the defenses that Texas has fielded in the the past, and it's not even close in terms of sheer talent. So they're going to bend at times, But as long as they don't break, man, as long as they can make those big plays, maybe get a takeaway or two over the course of a game and find ways to bow up in the red zone, they're going to be okay. Uh, they're going to give this offense a chance to win some football games. So, yeah, that was a, a massive, massive play down the stretch, one that preserved the victory, obviously, uh, an interception earlier in the game, too. Was big for this Texas team, I think, in the first half, that helped lead to some points for them as well. So, yeah, I'm with you, man. If they can be opportunistic, they're never going to be one of the best defenses in the country with the guys that they have right now. But if they can make a couple of splash plays like that, that can really tilt the field, uh, it's going to help this team get to Arlington at the end of the season. Well, the matchup tomorrow night
0: is certainly going to test this team's ability to defend the pass. There are playmakers all over the place for number 4 TCU. They come into this game undefeated. Touchdown dogs, though, because uh, Vegas, I guess, believes in the Longhorns that gets back to that hole. if something feels too good to be true, is it too good to be true, or is it a sucker's bet the other way? But this TCU team uh, worries, I think, us both a little bit more just because of their ability to throw the football. But it's also a team that has found itself down early on in ball games and uh, comes back with uh, pretty furious comebacks in the second halves of games. So it truly is a clash of styles this weekend. How are you feeling about this one right now?
1: Not good. Not good at all. Uh, TCU has been a thorn in the side for Texas for a while now. Uh, they've won six of the last eight against Texas. You know, we talk about purple kryptonite, and for the longest time it was K-State, right? Texas just couldn't find ways to beat Bill Snyder and the Purple Cats, and well, the Longhorns have now won six in a row against Kansas State. It's been TCU who's been the issue. Of course, Texas won the game last year. In Fort Worth, they held on for dear life. They were up by 12 points in the fourth quarter, and uh, they had an amazing offensive drive to kill like the final five minutes of clock in that one to preserve the victory. That was a huge Bijan Robinson game. Uh, the Longhorns, I think, are going to need Bijan again this year. But yeah, there are a couple of numbers, and you just alluded to them, Trey, that really scare me uh, about this matchup. TCU is 4 0 when trailing at the half this year. We suck. In the second half. So you talk about a conflict of styles. There's your conflict right there. Uh, TCU's allowed a total of three second half touchdowns in their last four games. Like not three per game, three total second half touchdowns in their last four games. So their defense has been bowing up as as games have gone along. And Texas's offense has been crapping itself, for lack of a better term. As games have gone on. Oh, by the way, TCU 3-0 and in one-score games. I think this is going to be a close game. Like, I don't feel great about Texas's chances to win, but I think this is going to come down to the wire. TCU's been great in those one-possession games. Texas, meanwhile, 1-2 in, in those one-score games. Of course, the first win came last week, so maybe they can build off of that and ride off of the confidence and momentum they have for finding a one-score win against a ranked team. But, yeah, man, there are some numbers about this TCU team. Those are only a few of them. We'll get to some of the other ones here in a second, but it it scares me that this Texas team, and it's not a one-off, just continues to struggle in second halves of games. And it feels like TCU all season long has been at its best in the third and fourth quarters. That part of this matchup really terrifies me. Obviously, uh, Max Duggan is a big reason why TCU has been so good
0: on offense this year. For the last four years, I've called him a poor man's Sam Ellinger. But he has really come into his own this year. And he is a guy that can obviously beat you with his legs. But uh, the fact that he is able to throw the football so consistently is a huge deal as well. And I think even though he is uh, somebody who is reputable on the ground, I think one of the reasons why he worries me a little bit more than Adrian Martinez, it's because his legs aren't that primary weapon. And that's why I felt like Will Howard posed a bigger problem to this Longhorn defense last week, because he has that athleticism, but that's not the first thing that you're focusing on. And they do design runs for Max Duggan. Don't get me wrong about that. There will uh, certainly be QB keepers at times, and he's done a great job throughout his career of picking up big yardage in those sorts of situations. But the fact that you're having to pay such close attention to him throwing the football is going to be a big issue. And, uh, boy, I know that uh, he has – practice throughout the course of this week but whether or not quentin johnston is available for the horn frogs and just what percentage he's able to give them tomorrow night may go a long ways in determining whether texas can ultimately win this game
1: yeah tcu's offense wasn't the same last weekend against texas tech when quentin johnston wasn't on the field now they still won that game and they kind of figured things out as the game went along also texas tech forgot they had a punter or maybe their punter died. They just went for it on like 44 downs in a row to give TCU a good chance to figure things out on offense. But yeah, Quentin Johnston, whether or not he plays, is going to go a long way into determining whether or not Texas can win this game. Because for my money, Trey's the best receiver in college football. Hmm. And he could be the first receiver off the board in the NFL draft. There's a lot of them. Uh, Jordan Addison at USC. Uh, Kayshawn Boutte at LSU, just to name a few. I mean, there's going to be some competition there, but this dude is just a freak athlete. One-time Texas commit, Trey. Yeah. I, I remember being upset when Johnston flipped late uh, the TCU. I didn't realize I was going to be this upset. I mean, imagine having that dude with Worthy and Whittington and some of the other weapons the Longhorns have on the outside. Holy crap. But, yeah, TCU, they're good. And their passing attack has been really good. They've got 14 plays of 50 yards or more, Trey. That's the most in college football. You think about that against this Texas secondary, which has not been nearly as good as it should be, considering some of the personnel that they have back there. That is very, very scary. Now, here's what I'm hoping. Okay, for the first three years of Max Duggan's college career, he was so average against everybody else, but amazing against Texas. Right. Like he literally looked like a Heisman Trophy candidate whenever he played the Longhorns and he sucked. He got benched a couple of times over the course of his career going up against just about everybody else in the Big 12.
0: He I'm wasn't even he... guaranteed. He wasn't even guaranteed the starting job going into this season.
1: No, he didn't win the job. Uh, Chandler Morris won the job. He got hurt in the first game and then Duggan took over and has been lights out since then. So my hope is because Duggan's been so good against everybody else this year, he sucks against Texas. I guess it's a total reverse. It's probably the worst logic, and there's no way this is actually going to happen. But he's been so good against Texas and so bad against everyone else in the past. This year, he's been so good against everybody else. I'm hoping that uh, maybe he just has a stinker against the Longhorns this weekend. That would be a glorious, glorious thing. Well, we have uh, talked
0: a lot about that TCU passing attack. Don't sleep on Kendra Miller. He is uh, the third best running back in this conference and would be the best running back in a lot of other conferences. But he's behind Bijan Robinson and Deuce Vaughn right now. By the way, speaking of Joey McGuire, has he really turned into that former high school coach in Arkansas that literally goes for it on every situation?
1: <laughs> it sure looked like it last weekend, didn't it? I was texting some of my Texas Tech buddies, and they're like, I I don't know what the hell is going on here. I I don't know what they're going to do. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set
0: in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
1: They're not giving up on Joey McGuire yet, but like they, they feel a little bit worse about him than they did after the Texas game uh, a month and a half ago. And all of his stuff about the Big 12 running through Lubbock sure looks pretty ridiculous considering uh, what they've done since then. It was so ridiculous
0: watching that Texas game because nobody gets fourth down conversions at the clip that they did in that game. Like that was can't call it blind luck, but that's the best case scenario for going for it on fourth down that many times. You knew that would eventually come back to bite him in the ass. And unfortunately for Tech fans, it has a couple different times this year now. I got no problem
1: with it. I got no problem <laughs> with Tech struggling. I can tell you that. I can tell you that. But you're right about Kendra Miller. He's he's averaging six and a half yards per carry. Like, the, the dude's a machine. And oh, by the way, TCU is second in the country in terms of yards per play. So, like everyone focuses on Quentin Johnston, you should. He's a monster. Obviously, the quarterback's always going to get a lot of praise. He should. He's been really good. Twenty-eight total touchdowns to two picks this year. Like Duggan's been ridiculous. He's kind of dark horse Heisman conversation. Like he's not. If the season ended today, he wouldn't get the invite to New York, but like he'd get some votes for the job that he's done up in Fort Worth. But like Tay Barber who it feels like has been there forever. He's a stud on the outside. Darius Davis, like they've got maybe three Sunday receivers on that team that are really good, and they're really going to test the depth of the Texas secondary. So obviously you want to hone in on Quentin Johnston and do whatever you can to slow him down. I don't think you're going to stop him, but slow him down. But they've got plenty of guys who could beat you on that side of the football, and I don't don't trust the depth of this Texas defense going up against some of those weapons that the Horny Toads have on the outside.
0: No, unfortunately not. Hopefully we can get an organic pass rush like what we saw last week in Manhattan, which was a pleasant surprise because uh, that aspect of the Longhorn defense has been so mediocre at times this year. The fact that so many dudes were getting pressure on Adrian Martinez, getting a couple sacks. Uh, Baron Sorrell, who obviously had a great start to the season, has kind of quieted off over the last month or so. He had a couple big moments of that game. You mentioned Keandre Coburn as well. So if that Texas defensive front can continue to be that disruptive uh, against the run and the pass. Uh, all of a sudden, that becomes much more interesting for uh, Texas being able to get something going offensively and maybe building that big lead that we hope to see in the first half and one that we can sustain in the second half, too. No
1: doubt. Yeah, Texas held Deuce Vaughn to 3.8 yards per carry in Manhattan. If they can do that with Kendra Miller and Mercado in that TCU run game, uh, they've got a good shot. They've got a good shot to win this one. Going to make a hard pivot
0: here because I keep seeing you raise. I think it's your left hand and there's a, uh, what are you like uh, directing? There we go. What are you directing flights at Hobby Airport when (laughs) you're not on the air? What's going on there?
1: Nah, the uh, elementary school in my neighborhood needed a crossing guard. So I figured (laughs) with the stash in this thing, I'd be the right man for the job. Uh, Now, Trey, I injured myself cutting the cheese the other day. Oh, come on. Yeah, I cut the cheese. It was bad, man. It it, it there was blood. It smelled, it looked weird. Oh. And I needed to bandage my hand because I cut the cheese so hard.
0: Well, don't put your thumb down there when you're cutting the cheese. I didn't realize that it uh it essentially will singe skin, but Well, I had to do
1: it to, you know, to hold the cheese that I was cutting, you know. I had to I had to make sure that the thumb was close just for extra support and protection. What kind of cheese? Uh, it was like a habanero Jack cheese block from H-E-B. Okay. I was using a cheese knife and that you couldn't get that from what I was saying. I was cutting the cheese, dude. I assumed that you actually, uh, broke
0: winds and stuck your thumb down there and it actually burned part of the fingertip and the thumbnail off.
1: Yeah, I had, uh, I had eaten Taco Bell three of the previous four <laughs> meals, so that was what went wrong there. No, yeah, actually cutting cheese is what did me in. I cut it pretty good, too, so now I've got this ridiculous-looking bandage on there. I can't use my thumb. Opposable thumbs, is that what we call them? Yeah, opposable thumbs. I'll tell
0: you this, though. Even though your thumb has a little bit less worth in the kitchen, I feel like if you were to try and hitchhike it to work today at your your day job, the afternoon show on 97.5, you probably have a pretty high hit rate in terms of people. Uh, I guess you do have that mustache though. This, this whole thing is contradictory, but I think because you do have the, the orange on that thumb, you're at least going
1: to get people's attention. That's true. That's true. It's not a bad idea. Gas is expensive. I don't want to pay for it. So I might hitchhike to work today. I like that idea, but yeah. And I used to think until like a week ago, they were called disposable thumbs. I never really understood why that was a saying. Cause like, I've never been able to throw mine away and get new ones. But opposable thumbs, very important. I like basically haven't been able to use this at all, and it and it sucks. That's right. That's the, car, it separates us from the animals. Mm-hmm. Hey, speaking of injury, this is a perfect unintentional segue. Um, Hudson Card better be ready to play tomorrow. Hmm. You are know, like why it's nothing to do with the fact that Quinn Hewers hasn't been that great over the last month. Although, if he's not great, like if this is an Oklahoma State situation and now your Big 12 title hopes are on the line, then hey, maybe consider. Going to Hudson Card, I find this very interesting, Trey. And not enough national people are talking about this. TCU's nine and zero. They're six and zero in the Big Twelve. Here, here's a rundown on some of the quarterback luck that they've gotten this year. Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel got hurt in that game. Now they were winning that game by a lot, so that like they would have won that game regardless. But their quarterback got hurt. They played Kansas the next week. Jalen Daniels, first quarter, their stud quarterback, got hurt. Didn't play the rest of the way. Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders played with an extremely messed up shoulder. Worst passing game of his career. Ended up having to miss time afterwards because of that injury he suffered. K-State game. Their top two quarterbacks got hurt. And, oh, by the way, K-State was dominating TCU when they were healthy. Those guys got hurt. TCU comes back and wins. Last week against Tech, their stud freshman, Baron Morton, he got hurt. Didn't come back. So TCU's good. Like, don't hear that and, and act like I'm discrediting them for, for being 9-0. and Like, no, they, they've earned a lot of this. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. I think they are good, but I think they've also been lucky too. So I don't know if they've got like a 2011 New Orleans Saints bounty program going on with opposing quarterbacks right now, but they have had some really favorable quarterback injury luck so far this season. And, and I'm worried. Like obviously Ewers got hurt earlier in this season. I don't want to call him injury prone, but we know he's missed time from an injury already. Like I'm just I'm a little bit worried based on the way this year has gone for TCU that we might see Hudson Card not for performance issues but because of an injury to QB1 tomorrow in Austin. That is
0: wild that you pointed that out. That is uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. And I don't have any information along these lines, but I have wondered these last few weeks if Quinn Ewers is dealing with some sort of minor hand issue on his right hand, because the guy throughout his career has been so good at throwing the football down the field, and he can't hit the broadside of a barn at this point. Like maybe in some ways, that's him playing these road games and uh, in rough weather conditions and hostile environments. But it seems like it's something that's that goes a little bit deeper than that. Because there was that game against Iowa State here in Austin that he wasn't exactly spectacular. So maybe that plays into what ultimately happens tomorrow. I certainly hope not, but I also have confidence that Hudson Card, given that next opportunity, is going to come in and do the exact things that he was doing in that three-game stretch where Quinn Ewers wasn't available. And that's not just manage the game, but really help make plays for this team at times with both his arm and his legs too.
1: Yeah, I think so too. He's looked a lot better this year than he did last year. Um, and if something does happen to yours, or if Texas does have to make the move to card, I don't, I don't feel as bad as I would, uh, a season ago, but obviously I hope it doesn't happen, but you're right now, Quinn yours over the last three or four games, like the completion percentage, I think is around 54, 55%. And you talk about the deep ball accuracy. Yeah. It was so pure in that game against Alabama. It was really good against the Oklahoma or uh, in the Oklahoma game too but these last couple of weeks against better defenses playing on the road a couple of times, as he mentioned, it just hasn't looked as crisp for Quinn Ewers in this passing game. So hopefully uh, he looks sharp and hopefully he can stay on the field tomorrow, but an interesting little nugget about TCU season this year. Once again, I think they're really good. Like I'm probably going to pick them. Well, I will pick them spoiler alert. I'm going to pick them to win this game uh, at the end of this episode, but the, the one conference game that they've played this year, where the quarterback was healthy and played all four quarters was on the road at West Virginia and they barely won that game. They had a touchdown in the last 20 seconds on a random fourth down to make it a 10 point game. But that was basically a three point game and West Virginia led for a lot of that one in Morgantown. West Virginia is like the worst team in the big 12. That was like the one game JT Daniels played all four quarters and he was healthy and TCU struggled a little bit getting off the field. So they've also given up like Kansas, even with their backup quarterback put up a ton of yards and points against them too. Like they're, this is a susceptible TCU defense if Texas's quarterback can stay healthy and obviously if the passing game can do some of the things that we've seen it do this year.
0: All right, BK. So last week we talked about the Twitter blue check mark, the authentication that you can now pay for, that I have paid for with my podcast, Books on Pod, still rolling no check mark with that courtesy wave. But a lot of people have started to take advantage of this and it's actually, unsurprisingly, beginning to cause some problems, and including
1: uh, on Election Day. Well, these are two separate stories, actually. So I'll, I'll get to the Election Day one first. I don't think this involves any blue check. I just think we had a hilarious Election Day snafu earlier this week. Um, a state lawmaker in Pennsylvania was reelected. OK, no big story there. Okay. Um, he's dead. He died of lymphoma on October 9th. And he he got more than 85 percent of the vote in his county, the Allegheny County District up in Pennsylvania. Yeah, He served in the legislature up there for thirty nine years and he beat someone from the Green Party. What is that the weed smoking party? What, What is the Green Party? I don't even know what that is, but he destroyed this guy in the election despite being dead for over a month. So that's the state of politics right there in our country that literally a dead guy not only won his election, but got more than 85 percent of the vote despite not being alive. It's like the anti LBJ
0: strategy where LBJ used to have dead people voting for him when he was starting his political career here in Texas. This is the actual dead person winning the election. Yeah, that's not good for the state of things. And by the way, the Green Party. Not the official marijuana policy per se, uh, party per se, but it's uh it's pretty easy to, uh, to connect them to uh, pro-pot legislation.
1: I might have to vote for the Greens a little bit more often. I got to pay more attention to what they have going on. How embarrassing is it to lose an election to a dead guy? You got to quit politics after that, right? Like You got to find something else to do. Oh, yeah.
0: If the writing is not on the wall for you in that situation, well, you're a lost cause.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there we go. There's politics. That feels like a pretty fitting headline for uh, the state of this in our country right now. RIP to Tony LaDuca, and also congratulations on your re-election. So who
0: takes over in that position? Or I guess, who? yeah, who takes over for him in that position since it was they're, a re-election? They're
1: going to have a special election to follow. We're not allowing the Green Party candidate to take part in this one, are we? I don't know. Like, I think that was the only other person on the ballot. So I I feel like they should win. Shouldn't they win? Well, that person was roundly rejected. We got to get two completely different people in here
0: at this point.
1: Quiania Livingston, whose nickname is Zara, Z-A-R-A-H. I'm not sure how you get that from Quiania, but that was the Green Party representative who lost. So, yeah. yeah, you're right. Like, they don't deserve, if you lose by that much to a dead guy, just find somebody else.
0: You're done. Yeah, find somebody else in the green party. I feel like with the name Quiania, that uh, that already makes it a pretty big uphill climb for you in trying to win an election. People are going to look at that first name and say, this is this is way too much right here.
1: Maybe that's this why they're going the for name Zara or Zara with a Z to try to sound more commonplace. I guess. I don't know. All right, so that's that, and now you've got the blue checkmark issues here, and this has been hilarious, dude. So you talked about it. We talked about it last week. You can now pay to get verified on Twitter and get that little blue checkmark by your name, and people have been taking full advantage of this. So, like, in the past, Trey, there's always been fake accounts, right, dupe accounts, whether it's for, like, insiders like Adam Schefter or for, like, athletes like any athlete, LeBron James, whatever, where people will make up accounts – They'll use like the exact same picture that those guys will have. They'll use their exact same name, but they'll just have a different handle. But the way you could discriminate uh, or differenti- uh, differentiate, I should say, the real from the fake account was the blue check. Like you'd always look for the blue check. If you saw some somebody named Adam Shafter tweet something out, if there was no blue check, then it's not the real Adam Schefter and you could disregard it immediately. Well, because of this Twitter blue, anybody can have a blue check. And there can be multiple Adam Schefters on the internet with the blue check. So over the last couple of days in the world of sports, we've had a few different things happen. We had uh, a fake LeBron James verified account say that he's requesting a trade from the LA Lakers (laughs) and a bunch of people bought it. We had a fake Araldis Chapman say that he was happy to announce that he was re-signing with the New York Yankees with a three-year deal. And Yankees fans freaking hate him, so they were pissed. Yeah, they, they were, were calling pissed. for everyone's heads in the Yankees front office. Uh, I think the the worst one, but because of our sense of humor, maybe the funniest one that I've seen, someone made a, a fake real Pittsburgh Steelers account, like at Steelers, uh, the official team account. And they announced a couple of days ago, that we are saddened to announce the passing of Kenny Pickett. Oh, my God. They had an in-memoriam, like, graphic of Kenny Pickett with, like, when he was born and then to 2022. And a lot of people believed that one, too.
0: That one's especially rough because of what happened with Dwayne Haskins earlier.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so... The Twitter blue, like Elon Musk's Twitter is uh, is off to a pretty inauspicious, uh, inauspicious, if I could speak, start, and I think those stories are hilarious, only because I haven't gotten duped by one yet, but I'm sure at some point I am going to get got by one of these fake, verified, real Twitter account things.
0: I have to admit to you that I was duped yesterday, and I'm pretty sure it was a fake Schefter, although it may have been a fake Ian Rappaport now that I'm thinking about it but at one point one of these fake accounts that like you said had the same exact picture the handle is close enough that you just kind of glance at it with your eyes and the the blue check mark is there that you just take it as fact they said that Josh McDaniels got fired as the Raiders coach oh man and i hate Josh McDaniels i know it's only a matter of time before that clown is fired from another head coaching gig
1: anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music
0: And we know how the Raiders have struggled this year after all the expectations heaped upon them heading into the season. So I took it as true. I've got a a Raiders friend that's uh, one of my volleyball buddies. So I started uh, uh, trash talking him and also congratulating him because Josh McDaniels is no longer his head coach. And like two hours later, he's like, hey, where did you see that information? I'm not seeing it anywhere. And that's when I realized. Damn it, Elon, your new policy at least in the short term, is going to cause a lot of confusion.
1: Oh yeah, it may oh, yeah,
0: it may end up leveling out at some point. But man, we're we're probably a long ways from that. That's probably at least like six months to a year away. It's just a matter of how many of these fake accounts want to either pay the one-time eight dollar fee to get Twitter verified, or somebody who wants to do that over and over again and running risk, I guess, of uh, getting kicked off each time they they pull the fleece on somebody.
1: You could probably just, even if it is a month-to-month cost, you could just pay the first month and then cancel the account. Like that's a one-off yeah. bit, right? To yeah. to pull something like that off, so that's hilarious. Yeah, not super unbelievable to think that Josh McDaniels could be getting fired at some point in the not-too-distant future, considering how much of a disaster the Raiders have been this year. But that is hilarious. That not only did you believe it, you started texting people like it was a real story. That's awesome.
0: I can't believe. Kenny Pickett, if you're gonna go there, don't you go Mason Rudolph or something? Not that I hope anything ill on Mason Rudolph, but ease up on Steelers fans just a little bit.
1: Yeah, maybe they're already tired of Kenny Pickett, so I don't know. Maybe that maybe it was a Steelers fan who who made that account and did that. Almost as wishful thinking.
0: All right, well, uh, I'm excited to get to this week's Where We At In Society, BK, because it's going to be an interactive Where We At, at least interactive for me. Here we go.
1: Where are we at in society today?
0: Okay, so uh, we are technically recording the uh, Friday morning episode on a Thursday afternoon, and I need to raise the curtain and tell you people that one, because we don't want to lie to you on this show. You want to ask us if the Tooth Fairy or the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus are real? We'll give you the truth on that. Now, we're not answering that question right now, and that has nothing to do with the fact that I have an eight- and six-year-old. They've already had that lie busted for them. But I tell you because today was the Rick Perry Elementary School Thanksgiving lunch. The uh, Rick Perry Elementary School Thanksgiving lunch, where you have the chance to pay $4, to get served a Thanksgiving lunch from the cafeteria. My kids are back-to-back grades, so I got to go there. They feed first graders at 1030 in the morning, by the way. That is their lunchtime, which feels a little bit early, but they also have to try and get through uh, what is essentially seven different grades in this uh, Rick Perry Elementary School. By the way, we just voted to uh, see if we're going to change the name of the elementary school to the elon musk elementary school still waiting on those votes to be
1: tabulated <laughs> from this last tuesday oh so, man uh, that's so, the name of the school it's rick perry elementary or that's the name of the lunch like it's a it's a rick perry mandate from when he was governor and now every school in texas does this i think it's the lieutenant
0: governor dan patrick lunch is uh, <laughs> technically how that one goes but it is rick P- perry elementary school look these uh, suburban schools, whether you're in Austin, Dallas, or anywhere else, they're all about uh, paying tribute to conservative figures in, uh, in local, state, and national politics. you got the, the Reagan Elementary School. I'm sure there's some uh, George H.W. Bush Elementary Schools out there, too. But uh, this is the Rick Perry Elementary School in the Leander ISD. So I paid for this lunch, BK, but I also have to admit, I didn't make my kids eat this lunch. I actually went to Chick-fil-A before the lunch started to get them lunch. By the way, why is Chick-fil-A? And I realize this is a day where parents are able to bring their lunch to the kids if they want to. There were plenty of McDonald's and Chick-fil-A's and Burger King's and Wendy's and whatnot. I've gone to Chick-fil-A to get my kids an early lunch like for their birthdays. Even at 9.45 in the morning on a school day, There is a line around the building at Chick-fil-A. I just don't understand what people are doing with their time that they think it's a good idea to wait in this Chick-fil-A line for a good, I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes. Like the food is good, but is it that good?
1: It's usually pretty quick. Like they usually shuffle cars in and out like it's nothing. So I'm surprised that you had to wait 20 to 30 minutes, but you did go during breakfast hours too. keep that in mind. Like not only was lunch an option, but you went during breakfast hours and, their breakfast is pretty freaking spectacular. So I can't be too critical of people waiting a little bit to get uh, some of those chicken minis or a chicken biscuit.
0: So I paid for the $4 for the lunch. And I am also the psychopath who walked out of the school with the lunch still in my hands. Check it out. It oh is my very god. Very thanksgiving lunch are you kidding me i've got a couple ideas here yes i got looked at like a crazy person as i was walking out of the school with this styrofoam tray (laughs) and these six different items on the tray but darn it it's for the bit it's for the show so i'm willing to make that sacrifice for you bk and you people watching and listening right now hopefully you are watching on the on texas football feed so what i'm asking of you and i'll help uh help help point out what some of these different things are is i need you to power rank six to one the items on this tray i have not tried a single bite of any of these foods but i'm actually going to try some of this stuff after we (laughs) give our pre-taste power ranking so we're going to start over here mashed potatoes with the whitish brownish gravy i think they just combined the gravies uh, that is definitely hardened now it looks like a uh Looks like one of those drumstick desserts from back in the day. So we have some turkey right here. Below the turkey, we have stuffing that also has some of that whitish brownish gravy. We have corn. We have... Is that a pile of shit?
1: (laughs) What is that?
0: That is actually cranberry sauce. It's probably hard to see the red uh, into the computer screen here. I'm not going to lie. The pile of liquid around the cranberry sauce has only grown and looks even less appetizing than it did initially. I'm not a big cranberry sauce guy. This somehow looks like the worst cranberry sauce that I may have to eat. And then we have the dinner roll in the back corner here. So... You tell me, BK, based on the, uh, the the not great screenshot that you're getting of these six different <laughs> items right now, how are you power ranking these foods?
1: Yeah, the other parents probably thought you were like the cheapest parent of all time. Like you couldn't <laughs> afford an actual lunch, so you had to spend $4 and take it to-go meal. Or they probably thought like you ate one in there and you're like, oh, this is dinner. This would be my dinner tonight. I can't afford anything more than this. Someone's calling CPS on you for that one. Um, all right. God. I feel like the roll is the safest. So I'm going roll number one. Smart. I'm definitely going pile of dung cranberry sauce six. <laughs> I'll go I'll go corn number two because that also feels safe. Corn two. Wow. Upset. Yeah. I mean, look, this is not like my power rankings for my Thanksgiving Day plate. This is the power rankings for aesthetics of the Rick Perry, Dan Patrick lunch plate. Whatever we're calling this thing, uh, we'll go that stuffing/slash dressing looks edible. Okay, three turkey, four potato thing, five, and dung sauce, six. Okay, all right. right. Are you trying all of these here?
0: I don't know if I'm going to try them all. I'm probably going to have to try the the two best and I'll leave the corn be I, I'll, spoiler alert. Corn is number six for me. I hate corn. It is right. a vile weed that has infected our food supply in a vi- variety of ways. It's also infecting our gasoline supply as well. Since every gas is now at least 10% ethanol and that's terrible for your car too. So corn is six. This cranberry dung is five. <laughs> Very close to six though. Yeah. Four is the stuffing. Three is the turkey. Two is the roll. And I think the safest thing on this plate is the mashed potatoes. Okay. I'm going mashed potatoes one. Although I don't tend to like gravy on my mashed potatoes. That, that part worries me. That's the part that come three days when uh, when all this stuff works its way, works its way through my system, that's going to be a problem.
1: You'd be lucky if it takes three days to work through your system, dude. Well, I'm,
0: I'm to the point with my habits to where I'm only going a couple times a week now. I mean, that, that's how healthy that I'm eating. That I, that you know, they call it waste for a reason. There's not a whole lot of waste going into my mouth, working its way all the way into my system, and then coming out the other
1: side. Is that healthy to only be going a couple of times a week? I'm going like a few times a day, but I guess that makes sense with all the crap that I eat. I'm choosing to believe it's healthy.
0: My, Wife, who's a medical professional, claims that it's not all that healthy. But what does she know? Yeah, she yeah school yeah. for years for this stuff.
1: Waste of time.
0: All right, so I'm not. I'm not trying the corn. I know what corn tastes like. There's nothing special to this corn. The corn okay. is the corn. So we're gonna start with the cranberry dung. Oh, oh. Okay. starting with the cranberry dung because well, gotta try and wash it down with something better. You see that? God, I wish I didn't.
1: Oh, yeah, that's not good. (laughs) Dude, I'm with you. Like, cranberry sauce sucks regardless of where it's from. Hmm. But few-hour-old elementary school cranberry sauce?
0: Yeah, that tastes a little spoiled. I don't know if cranberry sauce can spoil in two hours, but that that tastes like it's turned a little bit. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to go
1: bite of turkey now with dressing. Is it so tender that you don't even need a fork or a knife? Look at that. Wow. You know what? Not bad. Okay.
0: Turkey's turkey. I got to say, the uh, the white slash brown gravy, it is okay too. Good job, Rick Perry Elementary School. Giving <laughs> our kids some stuff that at least tastes okay.
1: Yeah. Way to go, Cisco. Thanks for delivering that food.
0: <laughs> That's true. I know what the bread tastes like, so we're going with my number one, the mashed potatoes. Okay. Hard needs a little. No, not too hard. Very, no. whip, very whipped, but uh, I feel like it needs a little bit more salt. I feel like it needs a little bit more salt. Now I'm gonna actually try the uh, the stuffing because I was a little bit underwhelmed there. Get a little bit of that white ground, right? White brown gravy stuffing. Stuffing better than the mashed potatoes. Okay. Stuffing better than the mashed potatoes. So the post-taste <laughs> power rankings, number one's going to be the turkey. Number two, stuffing. Number three, roll. Number four, mashed potatoes. Number five, cranberry dung. And then number six, bringing it up the rear, pun intended, I guess, the corn.
1: You hate corn that bad that it's worse than that cranberry
0: dung that you just ate? I know we're allowed to cuss on this show, but I'm trying really hard right now to not say the F word when I talk about corn. That's how much I despise corn. Corn is never on our table at home. Look, here's the problem with corn. Corn does not digest. When you eat, when was the last time you ate corn? Weeks ago, maybe. Okay. The last time you had corn, when you got the uh, bucket and sides at KFC or wherever it is you eat your corn. That's where it was from. Good job. Two hours later, because apparently you have the digestive system of a uh, German shepherd puppy. Two hours later, that corn looks exactly like how you consumed it
1: when you're doing your
0: business the other side. That just means the corn didn't break down. There's no nutritional value for it. All right. It's like the iceberg lettuce of the, the, well, I guess iceberg is a vegetable too.
1: It's like the iceberg lettuce of the other vegetable world. No fat, no calories, nothing unhealthy about that one. That's all good. Right about that.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. I'm probably just a little bit bitter at you right now, BK, because your strategy to hedge yourself on these uh, the season-long bet that we're making has officially worked in terms of bringing you all the way back from the dead. Two weeks into this thing, you were minus five. But over the last couple of weeks, and by the way, I mistabulated two weeks ago. You gained two games on me two weeks ago. So going into last week's games... You were down three. You go four, one, and one in yeah. the games last week. I go one, four, and one, and it's all tied up once again. So congratulations to you on that.
1: Oh, and man. I hope
0: that your uh, your cousin is benefiting in real life as well because uh, you've lost a lot over the last couple of years. You deserve to gain uh, deserve to gain a little bit of it back.
1: Stop the count. Can we end in a tie so I don't lose? If we ended in tied, then we both have to do the
0: five minutes of stand-up bit at the end of the season.
1: We both do two and a half minutes, or do we both do five minutes?
0: Maybe we go up on stage as a uh, duo, which would somehow (laughs) be even worse than us going up individually.
1: (laughs) That would be serious punishment right there. More for the audience than for us.
0: That's right. So uh, because we are tied once again, we go back and forth on these games. I'll even let you choose whether you want to go first and second on the first game. Three college games this week, three NFL games, even though the NFL, it's a weird year for the NFL. A lot of me- mediocre matchups. We found good enough matchups this week that we've evened things out games-wise. And we're going to start with college. Of course, Texas CCU is going to be last, even though we already know. Uh, well, actually, yeah, I guess we do know where you're going with that one because you're going to continue hedging yourself, correct? You have to. Yeah, I mean, that strategy has is, is, uh, been nails for you these last couple of weeks. Why would you waver now? So we're going to start on the college side. Number nine, Alabama at number 11, Ole Miss. Bama is 12 point favorites right now. And this is one of my favorite SEC matchups each and every year with Lane Kiffin now at Ole Miss because Lane Kiffin is that total little brother to Nick Saban. He just loves antagonizing Nick Saban. Even though Nick Saban rarely says anything in return, it is highly amusing to watch and listen to and read Lane Kiffin operate. On Bama week. So what do you think happens in this one? I'm going first. Yep. Or oh, I guess you get to choose.
1: Would you like me to go first this week? I would. Cause that's also been part of my strategy. It's been working over the last couple of weeks. So fire away, please, sir. Oh No. Yeah.
0: Well, Alabama obviously does not lose often in the next Saban era BK. And when they do, they tend to bounce back in pretty major ways. However, This is not your regular Alabama team. Everybody that thought Nick Saban could just plug Bill O'Brien in as his offensive coordinator and there uh, wouldn't be any issues on the other side. Well, you're wrong. This Alabama defense, it certainly can be had as well. And I think Ole Miss, even though they are susceptible on defense, they have good enough weapons on offense to at least keep it within 12 points. So I think Alabama wins this game probably. But I think they only win this game by 7 to 10 points. So give me Ole Miss to cover the 12.
1: Yeah, Ole Miss has come close a number of times since Lane Kiffin took over, come close to beating Alabama, haven't quite gotten over the hump in a while. But, um, yeah, man, Alabama's been awful in terms of covering on the road. Uh, Of course, they've lost a couple of games on the road this season, one last weekend to LSU. So because of that, you're right. This isn't the same Alabama team on offense or on defense uh, I think Ole Miss is going to cover. So I'm going to take Alabama minus 12. Ole Miss is a good team. Quinshawn Judkins, their freshman running back's a stud. It's kind of overtaken Zach Evans on their depth chart. Evans still gets some run, but Judkins has been the truth as of late for them. So I do think this is a close game, which means I'm taking Alabama to win in a blowout. There
0: you go. All right. Uh, staying in the SEC for our second college game, number seven, LSU. You want to talk about a tale of two seasons, LSU, Four point favorites uh heading into Fayetteville against an Arkansas team that's really underachieved this year. I, I know they've uh some had had some injury issues on both sides of the ball, but uh we all expected Arkansas to be a little bit better than this. And uh it is your turn to go first now. So number uh, LSU four point favorites at Arkansas.
1: Yeah, I think LSU's really good. I mean, they're a blocked extra point away from being a one loss team right now and being squarely in the college football playoff conversation. And of course they control their own destiny in the sec West after that win against Alabama. So Brian Kelly's a hell of a coach, man. I'll tell you what, I, I watch him at LSU and what he's done in year one. And I can't help but think, could we have had that guy in Austin last year? Could we have brought that dude in? Cause he was obviously at a high profile job before in Notre Dame, but he left that to go to LSU. Would he have left that to come to Austin? Would we have wanted him here? it was a it was a
0: more difficult pull whenever we hired Steve Sarkisian because i believe that was the year they made the college football playoff. Yeah. So to uh to snag him in those circumstances would have been much tougher but we're Texas. I mean, part of your spiel is money whipping the hell
1: out of a guy. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, te- Texas hasn't always been as lax on recruiting as LSU has, but yeah. Move to the SEC with the NIL stuff. Notre Dame's very strict on recruiting and their regulations and rules that they have. I don't know. A conversation for another day. Uh, I, I think LSU is going to cover this, so I'm going to take Arkansas plus the four. They've been underwhelming this year, but I'll, uh, I, I guess I'll give them a shot to keep this one close and maybe pull off the upset while LSU is riding high after their Bama win.
0: So I have been choo- I have been picking against LSU all year. So this is going to be the week that I pick LSU and then Arkansas. Even if they don't win the game, they cover the four. But, yeah, give me LSU. I'm done doubting this football team. They continue to prove me wrong time and time again. And, of course, last week's win is a big deal. And they have the momentum going. And Brian Kelly, even though he certainly has his flaws as a human being, gets a little bit too purple in the face. Now, by the way, Matt Campbell has taken over as the new Brian Kelly Of uh of college football. Matt Campbell gets he flips out in way too many situations now, just throughout the course of a game, but half the time he's wrong about it as well. And I say this is somebody who used to drive the Matt Campbell fan club bus. Brian Kelly has learned to calm down a little bit, and he's just a damn good football coach on game day. So yeah, give me LSU to cover that one. All right, going to the NFL now, the Dallas Cowboys, four and a half point favorites at the Green Bay Packers. Just a train wreck of a season for Green Bay. A couple more injuries now that they're dealing with. One of their best wide receivers, the rookie Dobbs, is going to be out for at least a few weeks. And a couple of key injuries on that defense now as well. Looks like Aaron Jones could play in this game on Sunday. The Cowboys are four-and-a-half-point favorites. Give me Dallas to uh, to cover this one, even though it's in Lambeau.
1: I have so much PTSD from what Aaron Rodgers has done to the Cowboys over the course of his career. Like It's weird to say this is a get-right game for the Packers because the Cowboys are really freaking good. And they're coming off a bye, and they've been playing really, really well as of late. Uh, So I think the Packers are going to win, even though they suck, even though the Cowboys are clearly better. I just always assume Rodgers is going to find a way to pull it out against Dallas. So uh, because of that, I've got the Cowboys minus four and a half. All right, we have Mm the same
0: pick there. Move on now to Minnesota at Buffalo. The Bills, only three and a half point favorites. Now, look, Minnesota is good this year. But that's also in part because of the uncertainty with Josh Allen and that elbow injury that he suffered last week. I'm probably leaning towards Josh Allen not playing right now, but you're going first here. So uh, what do you have? The Bills is three and a half point favorites over Minnesota in Buffalo.
1: I think the Bills would win and cover even if it is Case Keenum under center. On Sunday. Uh, I don't think the Vikings are very good. You look at the teams they've beaten, they've beaten nobody and they're winning close games. It's not like they're blowing out bad teams. They're winning all these one possession games against really, really bad teams this year. So uh, I don't think they're nearly as good as the record indicates. So because of that, I've got them covering the three and a half against Buffalo.
0: So, yeah, because you have Buffalo winning the game, regardless of picking Minnesota. OK, I'm picking Minnesota because I actually do think that they're going to win this game. Usually a stupid idea throughout the course of Kirk Cousins career to pick him to beat much less cover as a road dog uh, against good football teams. But he started to change that narrative over these last couple of years now, and things are really clicking for them right now, too. So I think Minnesota does go into Buffalo and pull off the upset over Case Keenan. Pro football doc is a guy that I probably listen to more than anybody else with regards to what injuries mean for guys' uh, immediate and long-term playing status. And he seems to think that Josh Allen is either going to be severely limited or he's going to have to miss a couple of weeks with that elbow injury. So I think all those things uh, factor into Minnesota winning the football game. All right, Seattle at, do you call him a resurgent Tampa Bay? Tom Brady does what Tom Brady does, and that's win under seemingly impossible circumstances last week. Huge comeback victory for them, obviously, trying to build some more momentum on a season that uh, hasn't exactly been stellar up to this point. The Bucks are two-and-a-half-point favorites at Seattle. And how about Geno Smith, legitimate MVP candidate? Geno Smith? Ken Walker the third is obviously uh, a stud running back in his rookie year with the Seahawks. And uh, that is a uh, resurgent football team now that they're no longer having to deal with the Russell Wilson theatrics that have uh, helped to completely derail the Broncos' season. Give me Seattle to uh, go into Tampa and pull off the upset. I'm going wrong team favored here.
1: Okay, I don't have any feel on this game, so I'm just gonna fade you. So I'll go with Tampa Bay okay. on this one, covering the two and a half. A weird line, weird game. Seattle's been the better team for sure, but really gonna bet on Geno Smith against Tom Brady. I, I, I just I can't do that. So uh i'm fading you you've got the hawks i'll take the bucks minus two and a half
0: this year there's maybe more of an argument than there has been for the last couple of decades but i completely understand your logic there and finally we have number four tcu at number 18 texas it is a 6:30 kickoff on abc longhorns are touchdown favorites you've already picked this one you think tcu is going to win this game correct i do so i've got texas
1: minus seven in our picks
0: yeah, give me TCU to cover. I uh I don't know if they're gonna win the game outright. I am starting to feel better about Texas, although that second half swoon last weekend uh should tell me to shut the hell up with that. But I think Texas, because it is a home game, it's gonna be a fun and raucous crowd. It's gonna be a little bit colder. They got a dose of that in Manhattan last week. And I think Texas does have enough to win the game. Will they win by seven, though? I don't think so. So uh give me. TCU to cover Texas to win. You have Texas to cover. So I will mark both of those things there. There we go. Right. We have two similar picks and four different picks. So we'll uh, see how things work out next week. All right, BK. Thanks as always, man. Another, uh, another great show. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. For Brad Kellner, I am Trey Elling. You have been watching and listening to Trey and BK. We'll talk to you next Friday. In the meantime, have yourselves a phenomenal weekend and hook them.